Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars, winners hang with winners. Si un jour tu m'emmènes à la plage, j'aimerais t'en plonger dans les fers. Je te promets que je resterai sage, mais tu ne comprends pas que je rêve de ça. Welcome to House of Strauss. I am rejoined by my best friend, Matt Kleinman, comedy writer, which by definition means unemployed person uh, in Los Angeles. I'm on strike, Ethan. I'm not unemployed. I'm on strike. Hey, man, whatever story you whatever story you want to tell people is fine by me. That's that's OK. I'm not Keep a dead your head beat. up. Keep your head up. We're all pulling for you. I have a TV uh, show. I'm not a deadbeat. You know, hey, good luck. Good luck, right? It's just whatever you know. You want me to? I mean, your parent, like, uh, your mom called. Like, what should I tell her? She seems worried. <laughs> tell her that we need to convince the AMPTP to come back to the negotiating table okay. and agree and come back with some reasonable counter proposals to our reasonable proposals. Okay, okay, I, I'll I'll tell Linda that. Um, okay. Anyway, we're having you on because. People might not know this based on our last conversation on the podcast, but you're something of an idiosyncratic tech critic with uh, an intensive focus on how the incentives of modern technology can eat into content and art like an acid. Um, and you went viral with and vulture even you had a twitter thread in 2018 that yeah. went viral was written up by vulture where the whole article was basically all about your twitter thread uh, and it was called how facebook is killing comedy and now we're in this new era currently where it just seems like everything gets faster and more atomized and the industry that you're in, uh, the television industry almost seems to barely exist or only exist in pockets. Um, so it's a good time to have you on combined by combined by that's not how English works combined with how I wrote an article on the Cavender twins on my site. Uh, I'm not exactly sure which one they were more displeased with. Uh, I think the one. I don't on, think they read uh, this one. <laughs> the free, the free. Yeah, I don't think they read this one actually. I think they might this have been cool with this one. I think this, this is, is like a very. I mean, I, I, you know, it's a very insightful, good take on it versus what they're mad about, which was, which yeah. have like focused on like I guess how hot they were. Was that the? <laughs> that's, that's that's what they alleged. It would be funny to send this one uh, that was on my site and just in the email go, hey, what do you think about this one? Like you know. <laughs> Do you like it? Do you not like it? I mean, I think it makes you guys sound very smart as business people, but the business you're in, eh, maybe not the best business, uh, mm -hmm. perhaps. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but it was called Sports well, I, Writers Out, yeah, Zoomer TikTokers In. Yes, yeah, Sports Writers Out, Zoomer TikTokers In, and it's about how the future of sports media might not actually be chat GPT based, but instead might be anchored around influencers, individuals with big followings who do very fast content that upsells young men into the gambling companies. So that's what my article is about. And it seems even though it's sports, like it totally overlaps with so many topics of your interest. So I wanted yes. your takes. Yeah, I was like, Ethan, you're finally starting to get it, aren't you, buddy? You're finally, finally. pulling on the threads. You're finally seeing mm. the whole thing for what it is. Uh, no, well, this is shit we've been talking about for a while. 
And yeah. you, and you like referenced it in this article, which is that in the point of social media, I, I would even go far as to say like the point of it, literally, like what it does is it erodes institutions in favor of individuals, right? So it destroys, uh, you know, Sports Illustrated and replaces it with influencers, with single human being influencers, right? And this happens on Twitter. You know, this is the rise of the individual over the the, the institution. This is the rise of the, a personal brand versus a large company brand. You know, these are all the creator economy. Like, these are the conversations that we're having. And for a long time, it's been, you know, the positive spin on this is that we're destroying the gatekeepers. We're finally letting people have their say in the public square, like all that kind of bullshit, right? But really what's happening is that these are machines machines, you know, social media, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all of YouTube, like these are all machines designed to break up molecules of humans. So institutions, which are groups of people coming together to make something ideally better than the sum of their parts, but a group of people making something together, it breaks those molecules up into single atoms and mm. then makes them little armies of one, little media armies of one that march out into the, the media ecosphere. And that is what we are dominated by, by these atoms. We've all been atomized and it's much easier to smash an atom. I guess it's very hard to smash an atom. Yeah, <laughs> it it's, seems somewhat difficult. I, whatever, it's breaking apart. It's easier to dissolve away look, these little individual components. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet <laughs> and I will reserve. Yeah, judgment. I guess it's actually pretty dope when you smash an atom. It's kind of like yeah. sick as hell. No, that's I what mean, we're fucking feeling, dude, is the nuclear explosion of all the mm. atoms of humanity being smashed in the gears of these machines. I am become content. <laughs> yes. Destroyer of media. <laughs> I, I am become, become content. content destroyer, destroyer of media. <laughs> Oh, when you make it sound that that way, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, I I okay. So I'm gonna tack on a few thoughts to the Zoomer post I wrote because I was thinking about the implications of this. They're not all they're not all negative. They're just odd. the The observation I would make about the Zoomer influencers, the people who have the most following. Are uh, the most followers and are making this content, they are non institutional. And it's just very strange to me. They're non institutional. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got millions of fans. They're famous in a way, but your mom has never heard of them. Maybe Mr. Beast, maybe Mr. Beast gets mentioned on the local news, and then maybe your, your mom hears of Mr. Beast. But they've got these massive followings, yet they're not mainstream. And then they're also seemingly not dependent on the traditional institutions, which makes them perhaps less beholden. I, I was very interested in Jake Paul, the mm -hmm. boxer, YouTuber, influencer guy who runs this gambling sports betting content farm that the Cavenders are joining. Um, and one thing that's interesting to me about Jake Paul, and I didn't mention it in the article because I didn't want to derail it in the politics, but he's hugely popular. He's got a big youth following and he's a massive Trump supporter and just a massive <laughs> Trump fan and a big Trump head. And, uh, <laughs> but, it, but that's interesting to me for this reason. Um, you actually can't really do that within the institutional fold that, the, you know, the downsides of that or the upsides of that. And that that's like, it's this whole other conversation that I would almost want to set to the side um, some people would say that uh, you can't do both sidesism 
and you can't platform because Trump's beyond the pale. And other people would say, this is ridiculous. We've got two major parties. You've got to let Trump talk at the CNN town hall. I'm just setting that aside. I'm setting that yeah, whole I, conversation I don't want to talk aside. about that, but I do want to go on the record for people who don't, who don't know who I am. I am Ethan's woke friend. I am the, I, I was <laughs> the, the last time I was here. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the Colmes to Ethan's Hannity on this show. So just be very clear <laughs> about my politics he, and where that, I'm at Matt here. started angrily shaking his head and shaking his fist when I said Trump. He had a visceral reaction. <laughs> no, actually he was delighted because Trump uh, is getting indicted and I don't know why I'm rhyming uh, <laughs> accidentally over here. I was but, uh, delighted when Trump was, <laughs> um, but I want to set that whole conversation aside. I'm merely making the observation that Jake Paul makes just a massive amount of money and is a huge Trump fan in a way you could not be. I think if you were dependent on Hollywood, if you were dependent on mm. academia, if you were dependent on the studio system with the movies. Now, with studio systems from the olden days, but you know what I'm saying. Um, like these mainstream aspects of life that we are used to, I don't think you could be the kind of out front, I just FaceTime with Trump. It was amazing. And it's sort of interesting too, because he's young and theoretically the olds are, are the ones for Trump and the youngs hate Trump. So th these people, they just kind of, they just kind of float in the non-institutional mix right. and nobody cares that Jake Paul feels this way. He could do interviews with celebrities. They don't seem to care. Nobody cares that the Cavender twins joined him and they say, how dare you? They're just in this kind of strata that doesn't seem to matter to the other people, but is essential to advertisers who are desperate for young people and their dollars and their eyeballs. And you know, I that's just an observation, and there might be some would say that hey, it's good that Jake Paul can feel however he wants to feel politically and still retain his power. Can't you see the upside of that, Matt? That the institution right. so, is is right. compromised. So this in that is respect. this is the other side of this argument. This is the one that we talk about. This is like kind of bring it back to our old fucking thing. Is it wokeness <laughs> or is it you know the, the economy? Is it the structures? And so I don't yeah. want to touch this that much, just because I don't want to fall into yeah, that. Because yeah. I've got, I feel like I've got some fun shit for us to talk about. But yes, yes. I do. But I think. But I, I to me, it's not crazy of an <laughs> observation. Wokeness versus brokeness. I wokeness think is the. <laughs> Well, it's not crazy to make the observation that a lot of the institutional media that we kind of are now talking about that I'm maybe lamenting or whatever, that like some of the stuff that the holes that institutional has maybe leaned so far left that then it's making this opportunity, this economic opportunity for people who are leaning right to then lean into this newer kind of economy, this new creator economy. There's space there for them yeah. to soak up the ad dollars that are being, you know, the, the people at institutions are holding their nose over, you know, despite the existence of Fox news or whatever, like whatever, I'll, I'll give you enough. But to me, that's still yeah. a victim of this whole system. I, I to mm. me, it's not an indictment of how liberal the media has gotten or whatever. To me, it's an indictment of how like a, a crouched position institutions have had to be, go into in order to survive. What is like this fundamental reckoning that is happening to the whole entire media industry because of the 
disruption of tech of this of this atomizing machine of the meat grinder of the creation mm. of the the content system versus what you the, versus the traditional system. And to me, like you could spend forever quibbling about is this woke and is this a place for Trump and for free speech and and all that bullshit. You could spend forever down there having these fights, and meanwhile, the whole fucking system is being destroyed. And it's not like someone like yeah. Jake Paul is going to be any better off when he's in his 40s because he was the one championing the system the meat grinder comes for us all no matter what mm. and what we need to fight for me this is like a labor thing this is we need to fight for people who make things and for media to exist in a way that people can have a sustainable career doing it because that's the only way you get actually high quality work that can sustain a culture in a way that's really good and nourishing and where you get good shit for people who are smart <laughs> or people who are just for anybody okay, just good but, shit okay, that's nurturing you're, you're, to a culture you're, all right, thank you thank you your passion speech is leaving me cold because you've right. convinced me so thoroughly that the technology is going to win and it's just going <laughs> to eat so into everything. So this all sounds good, but I think that what we're reckoning with right now, what we're reckoning with right now is that the technology just seems so good at optimizing for certain things that are out of alignment with perhaps a pace of life that produces enduring art. And there's just something about the incentives and the incentive structure. And I only brought up, I brought up the Jake Paul Trump thing, not because I wanted to get derailed on politics, but just sort of to make the point of, okay, well, why isn't it good that, individuals can just express themselves however they want and have their own power and have their own place to hang a shingle. Um, why is it bad that there are a bunch of, say, substackers who have a variety of opinions and get to do what they get to do and have some security outside the mainstream? I mean, I think these are arguments for why somebody might be more optimistic about the creator economy right now um, while there are currently layoffs happening at pretty much every every major media institution. Yeah, and, and, so, and I want to be very clear too. Despite how fucking insanely liberal I am, or whatever, I want to make <laughs> really I want to make it very this. clear <laughs> that despite being like fucking literally <laughs> fucking a lefty uh, fucking comedy, you know, I'm fucking who, who is a well versed four <laughs> chan is yeah, another yeah, aspect yeah, yeah. of your expertise. No, well, no, I to me, like, I do agree that a healthy ecosystem, a healthy media ecosystem, like, involves all viewpoints to whatever extent that means. And where if there is, if somebody has something interesting to say and has an audience, they should be able to do that. And that's what the free web model kind of like facilitates, right? Is you can mm -hmm. have right wing websites and you can have left wing websites, and that is what free speech means to me, right? Is that, you know, I would, you know, whatever, I don't like what you say, but I would fight to the death to allow you to say it, but yeah. to say it within the confines of your own institution or within your own thing that you're making versus cramming us all onto Twitter or cramming us all onto some platform that it claims to be agendaless, but clearly does whatever, all that shit. But yeah. So, but here's, here's, here's where I want to jump into new territory, because this is what I've been fucking thinking about, which is one, I want to prove to you mm. that I think that this platform-based economy just doesn't work, that yeah. it, it actually doesn't benefit the creators. And I think in some ways, the creator economy, like you are a success story of the subscription-based creator economy, right? That Substack has made this little shoal 
where people like you who have a devoted following can can charge for subscriptions, can make a good living, and can make quality content for that following. And I think that's really powerful and great for you as an individual person, you know, hiding amidst the rubble of the, the web. But what happens with subscription only is it does kind of knock you a little bit out of the cultural conversation, right? Yeah. Because your reach isn't as large. Would you... Yeah, I, I, I realize that now that I've been thrown into the conversation, <laughs> uh, when I went outside my little Substack shack and did an article for the free press and I, uh, yeah, those lights got bright, Matt, uh, it suddenly <laughs> it was, was part of, uh, <laughs> Well, part but of so, well, the free press is actually, I mean, whatever, say what you will about the free press. The free press is trying to make an institution on the Substack model. I don't know if it'll work, right? They're trying to make a multi-employee institution that's based on Substack. That, to yeah. my knowledge, there aren't that many of those beyond, you know, in, you know, operations of like a handful of people, I suppose. Yeah. And I'm curious if that can sustain, but I don't think ultimately it will have the same amount of impact as a free ad support supported, you know, or, or, you know, an openly available non-subscription based media thing yeah. or something like New York times. that's so big that like, it's kind of, the subscription to it is kind of ubiquitous. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, they won, they won the game for whatever reason. And, uh, the, I'm sure Ben Thompson's written about the network effects and why that happens. But the, that is an interesting aspect too, where there are clearly winners. I, I I'm totally with you, by the way. I feel so thankful. I have such gratitude for my career. It sounds pretentious to say career for what has happened in my career, but I can so clearly see when I look at the landscape that this is not a healthier ecosystem than what existed 10 years prior or 20 years prior. I mean, it's just so obvious to me that it's, that it's worse. And I think that people often delude themselves when they try to make these arguments that it's that we're somehow improving. I mean, in certain aspects, there are pluses and minuses, but overall the movies of the nineties were a lot better. Uh, the TV shows of the early aughts to mid aughts were better. Um, and so I think art wise, and I'm not even getting into the publications, which is what we're talking about. A, a New Yorker is a much better magazine from 2012 than it is currently. So in the aggregate, there there is clearly there has clearly been a decline. So it, it's really hard to make the argument that it may, maybe you can take the long view and say eventually this is all going to lead to something better. But I I don't really see that. Right. And I think it's because the nutrients are being like sucked out of the soil, right? Nutrients being money and money coming <laughs> from predominantly nice. on the web or from magazines or that ecosystem. You know, the magazine ecosystem was subscription and ad based, right? Like, and this is kind of the thing. This is what a conversation is on the picket line right now with the WGA right now that like the TV writers, what we're fighting for is the fact that like essentially the, our best argument in my mind is that our work has been devalued by the streaming system, because the streaming system, it, it seems like potentially the streaming ecosystem simply isn't as profitable as the ad plus subscription model of cable uh, that we were operating under in the 90s and like peak television yeah. or whatever it is, that the streaming model is was actually propped up by a lot of investment, but it actually doesn't make as much money as advertising cool. plus subscriptions and, can I just and, and the licensing can I, can models just, that were that came from it. Yeah. Can, can, can I just jump in? I hate to sure. interrupt, but a lot of people would say that 
the cable bundle was just the greatest scam in the history of the universe because yeah. so many people were subsidizing content that they themselves did not watch. So what would you say is, say to somebody that, who would argue that, hey, this is just the correction for what's been an unfair system for the customer for so long? I want to be so clear that I hate advertising so much, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I'm about to full-throatedly argue for it because I uh, now understand. Well, and like, I think that they pushed it too far. You know, ad breaks are too long. Things got too annoying. Like, absolutely. I'm, I was paying so much money for ESPN, even though I didn't watch it. You know, all that shit. There were things about the cable bundle that absolutely needed to be like disrupted or whatever. But right, we're just going to rebuild it again because it's the only way there are aspects of that that, you know, I guess it's good for there to be competition and to like hone it into a more efficient form to some degree. But it was able to sustain a more comfortable media and creative environment than I think what it seems like we're seeing with the streaming model. Yeah. And I think that we can know that because of what's already happened online. Now I, I do think again, subscription is its own interesting thing. And I think that there are things to find within the subscription model that are great. Um, but I think there are problems of scale. There are problems about it that lead you still to this place where advertising plus subscription kind of is a, a better way to run the majority of a media ecosystem so that there's yeah. enough money to do the thing. I mean, so in your piece, well, right, the, you, you lament, let me just finish this point. Do you, no, no, you I lament wanna, I wanna hear it. that beat reporting is gone, right? That there, it's yeah. probably going to be extinct within five years. You said that people going out into the field to do reporting is simply too expensive unless you're a juggernaut like the New York times. And a lot of people are mad about the New York times becoming essentially a monopoly on this kind of reporting because they're the only one that has reached a scale where they can afford it. Right. Yep. But that that doing like actual fucking reporting as reporting is becoming financially prohibitive. And so instead, it's just people staring at screens, like reporting on the meat grinder while they themselves are being ground into meat. Yes. And there's something happening that I wish I was smart enough to articulate, which is we need a little inefficiency for things to work out the yeah. right way. We need it to be a little bit mystified as to what the correct way to serve customers is. There's something that happens when we chase optimization to its logical endpoint. Somehow, we don't end up with an optimized product. We end up with something worse. We end up with the Campbell's Law. Once the measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Something happens where we just optimize it to death, and we were all better off blithely just giving money to a bunch of cable channels that we didn't even watch somehow <laughs> that somehow that all seemed to work out better eventually i know people would say that 90s tv maybe not so much but we were getting there where we we had gotten to a point where the product was actually pretty quality and yeah it was an expensive cable bill but now today we're spending a bunch of different bills in a bunch of different directions and a bunch of different streaming platforms and it's just one big mess and it feels like half the people who are on tv don't really feel like they're on tv 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So like uh, there's this rule in advertising, right? That they say that where it's like, uh, you know, some old ad, ad exec or whatever was lamenting that like 50% or, you know, this is some company, you know, whatever you worked for like General Motors or G or some shit or whatever. And he was like half the money on, on I spend on advertising, 50% of it doesn't work. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. The problem is I don't know which 50%. Right. You just don't know, you know, half the Super Bowl ads you see are garbage and half of them are great. Right. You, it's, it's very hard to know what ad will spark with the public will make it work, but you got to spend that full amount in order to get to the half that'll make it through to the customer. And there's this fuzziness to the psychology of ads that like, yeah, it sucks and ads are bad and who knows if they work and they're annoying, but they funded things. And this is the thing that I, this is my first, I think, major point. Which is, I think we've broken the social the contract of advertising. The, the, the corporations were our medigies. Yes, they were. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You watch Seinfeld and you get it. The ads in between the fucking act breaks of Seinfeld support Seinfeld, right? Yeah. You get it. That was the social contract that I'll waste a little bit of my life right? I'll waste like a quarter to a third of my life of watching television in order to support the television, right? I get it. That's where the money is going. And that was the social contract that the, of advertising. I will tolerate advertising because it means that I get to see, I get to support the thing that I'm enjoying, the direct content. It's the money is going to the people who made it. And you can argue that like not enough of it's going to the people who made it. Now it's too much of it's going to the network, too much of it's going to the fuzzy Hollywood accounting, whatever, whatever, whatever. Big picture, that money is going to the thing that you're watching. And yeah. what I think happened is that that social contract was broken by the tech companies when they made it so that the advertising was no longer directly supporting the things that you saw. Instead, they were supporting the platform that you saw that stuff on. Yeah. You were now supporting the infrastructure and the engineers at Twitter. You were supporting the engineers at Facebook. They were getting well-paid. Meanwhile, the YouTubers that you saw weren't getting a sufficient cut of those ads. You see this now with Twitch too, that Twitch in order for it to run just keeps cutting into the amount that advertising of ad dollars that are being paid to the creators, even very popular ones that maybe even at first the cut of ads was good or something like that, but ultimately it wasn't enough to really sustain something. And instead all that money is going to sustain the giant servers and platforms and the structure that the content is on, but it's not going directly to the content itself, which I think was mm. the original implicit social contract of advertising. And I think it's been broken. And I don't think we talk about, we don't think people really recognize that. Yeah. Advertising is also just going to go in this direction that is more atomized itself. Um, I, so they do Thursday night football with Amazon, which totally cuts down on the reach. Far fewer people watch Thursday night football. Oh, so it hasn't really worked out. The, the well, that's an open question because mm -hmm. there are all these other considerations of, well, is this then good for funneling people to Amazon? And then there's this other aspect to it where Amazon is trying to use their expertise to optimize the shit out of it. And I was talking to a TV executive and he was saying, well, I was watching it and the ads that I was seeing were totally inappropriate and I was furious and there was a very sexually explicit erectile dysfunction ad and I'm going, well, this is a family, <laughs> yeah, is a family program, what the hell? So I went to the it people saw at an erect boner. I saw a boner. I was watching <laughs> so, football and I saw a man's boner. 
<laughs> and it wasn't even on the TV. That was the worst part. Um, so I went to the guys at Amazon and they said, well, okay, what's your age? Okay. And you're a male. Yeah. That's the targeted ad for you, buddy. Uh, that's how we're doing it. So you are going to see ads that are totally different from what I don't know your wife is going to see if she's watching the game or somebody else or somebody who's younger. And this is, yes, there has always been targeted advertising. I said recently on a podcast that you might be watching the masters and you would see an advertisement for a private jet. That sort of thing is obviously part of advertising, but it is now going to be sliced even thinner based on the streamer, knowing your exact demographic details and maybe additionally all the websites that you visit and this is where it's headed um my instinct tells me not good but i couldn't articulate exactly why so yeah so i think that this is actually a huge failure i think that this chasing of surveillance advertising is one way to think about it i'm going to propose another way to think about it in a second but surveillance advertising this targeted advertising i think that the, the this myth is that it's much more effective and that it's we're cutting out that 50% of waste because we know exactly who's watching so we can show them exactly the thing that they're going to want and i think to some degree even maybe as a consumer of those ads maybe they're more effective i don't even want to argue that i don't yeah. think so personally i've never like really clicked on you one of these things but i hear you can't see this but behind me are just stacks and stacks and dozens of boxes of boner pills like you can't you can't see that <laughs> i mean i just click right away i just like i, I spoke to my Couldn't alexa and said give me that alexa i need that whatever the thing that the the, the, the giant Make erection i just saw the giant inappropriate erection i just saw on, on thursday night football i want to get that how do i get that alexa i like how the erection kicked the football through the uprights that was the best <laughs> I saw this insane ad where this uh, <laughs> the kicker came out on the field unzipped his pants had the biggest erection i've ever seen Dong. and like foing <laughs> <laughs> like a diving board, flopped it through the uprights, and then the incredible. ball soared into the audience through the net and impaled a woman, yeah. and she loved it. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. And the, the doing sound was actually not the ball hitting the uprights. No, it was absolutely from, from 50 from feet away, 50 yards away. Uh, just incredible how targeted these ads are getting yeah. and imaginative, apparently. Uh, but yeah, I think, but that's the whole thesis. That's the whole theory is that we have less reach but we surveil better. Um, right. But, and, I, but yeah. I think what happens is by cutting out that 50% of fuzziness or whatever the fuck it was in advertising, you're just actually limiting the amount of money that's going to the very thing that you were watching. And instead it's yeah. going to the platform. And I think that, mm. you know, this because of your article, Ethan, this is where I'm going to keep bringing it back, trying to tie this to why oh, yeah. I'm on your fucking podcast. Uh, because in your article, the the Cavender twins aren't making money from TikTok, right? They're not making money from the ads that are running on TikTok. Even though TikTok is like a massively value, you know, value company that does make a ton of money through advertising, none of that ad, none of that ad money is going to the Cavenders, despite how popular they are on the platform. Right. All mm. that money, I think they get like a measly cut. I think TikTok is the worst yeah. of all this from my understanding. The meager amount, it's not going to make any. But I, my understanding is on every one of these creator based platforms, even YouTube, which has the best ad rates, the way to really make money is to do sponsored content. Right. Yeah. Is to, to do. To, and the thing about sponsored content is that that's traditional advertising. That was some accounts guy somewhere 
think, thinking, hey, we need to reach our audience. Our audience likes the Cavender Twins. And so why don't we pay the Cavender Twins to hawk our drink, to hawk yeah. our betting app or whatever? Because I, that's the that's the ad and market that we TikTok. want. Right. On, and to do it on TikTok. And so yeah. this whole idea that programmatic advertising, surveillance advertising or whatever is better is actually, we know that that's not true because on the very platforms in which it's rife, the things that are being supported can't even support themselves through that system. They have to go mm. outside of it to the traditional advertising system to make it, to make it mean mm. like to make a living. Right. So That's the whole thing actually doesn't work. It's just this machine That's, that we've convinced ourselves works, but that, it doesn't. That is a, that's an interesting insight that, okay, that's, I hadn't thought about that. Um, that's traditional that, advertising. Traditional advertising, right, is a human deciding this is my audience and this is the publication or the or this yeah. or Seinfeld or whatever the thing that I need to do to reach my audience. I need to strike a deal. I need to email them. I need to like you know haggle, figure out a rate, do whatever. That's traditional advertising, and it's still going on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so un it's so unproblematic. And let's 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 give a specific example. I saw the Cavenders do an advertisement for Champ Sports. I mean, talk about a brick and mortar. You show <laughs> up. And you buy some basketballs, you buy some socks. And so they do their shopping spree at Champ Sports and they do their, I think, a TikTok or a YouTube, probably both. And that's not programmatic advertising in the way a content creator gets paid off X amount of views on their YouTube. No, this is probably they talked with champs, their agent worked it out. You get paid this amount to do this endorsement. I mean, this is... 19 i mean what when did this even get invented as an industry it might be yeah, 100 years old 50s yeah exactly this is as classic as it gets this is as fucking yeah. madmen as it gets totally and so there's this narrative that like google in you know invented the new way to do advertising at facebook they invented they re you know they invented a whole new way to do this, you know, a perfectly targeted surveillance advertising. But the fact is it doesn't work because if it doesn't support the thing that you're watching, it isn't actually working. It isn't yeah. advertising. It's just supporting the engineers making this platform. And that platform is destroying the quality of the stuff that you're seeing. Right. And so it's not really working. It's okay. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I feel as though I'm I'm absorbing THC just through our conversation. My <laughs> mind my mind is trying to reckon and grapple, but you you had a stoner's euphoria insight before we started recording right on where we've always been. And right. while we think we're entering a new era, right. all we're really doing is prolonging the old era that we've been. Can right. You, so, and I want to be, so I want to, so that was the second point yeah. I wanted to make that maybe I'm kind of, and like, I know there's a million examples of whatever I'm talking broad strokes, fucking things here. And I really want to stress this to, to your audience. I'm an idiot. I'm a comedian. <laughs> I'm like a fucking, I'm not an expert in any of this shit. The, my only touchstones for this stuff was working at places like the onion, working at places like funny or die websites that were running and knowing the people who were selling ads and, you know, drinking with you're, those you're, guys you're and knowing yourself. Sure. You had your own app. You had a startup. You, 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 you fit in the mix, I've dabbled, you know, but those are arguably the dumbest things. <laughs> you are arguably the most tech savvy comedy writer, which I suppose is not <laughs> an intense competition, but yep. it is a competition and you Thank seem to do, yes. be doing quite well. 
Well, sure. Yeah. Well, okay. But, but I want to be very clear because I want someone to argue against this. Cause I thought of this, like literally this morning when I was thinking about our conversation, yeah. how to, how to, how to, how to frame this. So if you're with me, that adds our, the, the ad ecosystem sucks and is bad and all this sort of stuff. And we're headed into this world in which it's incre- increasingly destroying our media ecosystem, right? The, the athletic just laid off people, as you pointed out in your article, you know, the, I was saw some graph or whatever, that there been more media layoffs this, this year than in any prior. You know, Vice is filing for bankruptcy. BuzzFeed News fell away. You know, like all these things was dissolved, whatever. We know the media ecosystem is fucked. So here's, 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 here's my thought, which is that we shouldn't call this surveillance advertising. I mean, I think that surveillance advertising should just be banned. I think if we get rid of this, I think it will naturally heal the ecosystem, like bury the lead. Like that's what I think. But we've been calling this targeted advertising. We've been calling it surveillance advertising. But I think a better way to think about it is AI advertising. Because the chat GPT, the AI conversations we're having now, right? These aren't actually new technologies. This is based on machine learning artificial intelligence, machine learning AI. And until like this year, the main use case for machine learning AI was the creation of these advertising systems. Was Google invented machine learning, like they invented machine learning based advertising. They invented AI advertising in order to target these ads to you because the the web is so vast and there's so many people that in order to like, you know, how it works, right, is you log onto a website and there's a little auction for all of the like little ad spaces and based on your surveillance data, where you live, who you are, what your demographics are, if you have erectile dysfunction or whatever, an ad wins that auction and is shown to you. And all of that is underpinned by machine learning based AI that led to chat GPT and the AI that revolution that's happening right now, right? A friend of ours is a, a computer, you know, see a computer science PhD. He's kind of in this space. And I was talking to him about AI and he was like, yeah, I never got into AI because all of the people, the smartest people I knew doing AI, the only jobs for them were in advertising, were in targeting yeah. things. That's what the AI world was until literally like the end of the last fall, right? When chat GPT came out, that's what so, the technology came from. So, so, so let's try to, let's try to reduce this down and summarize it a little bit. The argument is effectively, while we're having these conversations about entering this new era of chat GBT and, and machine learning, that like in The Shining, you've always been here. Yes, yes. Or at least we, you have for the last decade or so. This has already, already been happening. We already we're, know what it looks like when machine learning based AI takes over an industry because it just did it to advertising. It just yeah. did it to those accounts guys. It just did it to Mad Men, right? It yeah. just destroyed all of the the jobs at, at websites where there were guys calling up brands being like, hey, do you want to sponsor Funny or Die this weekend with your ad for the hangover part two, right? Like those people are all gone and replaced with a machine that like serves personalized ads yeah. with CPMs machine, is what it's called, that are rock bottom. The, mach- the machine corrected them is, is uh, sorry. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> I just had to, you don't remember that in the shiny, the bartender. Oh, you know what I'm no. saying? That's what you he says. Remember? When he's yeah. referencing killing, when he's referencing killing his daughters, uh, he, uh, he, he says, says, I, Correct. Correct. I can't roll my R. I mean, you can probably roll your R. Correct. I don't remember this line. I can't believe you don't remember that. You remember movies. Uh, We talk about this. You remember shit way better than I do. (laughs) 
<laughs> I that might be true. I'm yeah, not sure. It has much, much anyway. media has a much stronger impact. I thought you were gonna enjoy my reference. I no, I like it. I point. wish I just I, remembered it. No, I, I derailed your point for my reference. Nah, it didn't it work out. It was what good. And do? someone liked it, and it was worth it. And thank you. Okay, thank you. Great. I love it when people <laughs> reference things. <laughs> I love it when people make a reference that I don't understand. That Dude. just opens well, my it mind. Well, it just reminds me how rich the world is that there's stuff that I don't know, you know? You can... <laughs> well, where were we? Where were so, we? On, well, so what I'm saying boys, is yeah. like, we're like, yes. what's it going to be like when machine learning AI takes over all these other jobs, takes over for writers, it takes over for designers, and it takes over for, you know, customer service and lawyers. And I'm gonna, I can tell you, I know, we know what it looks like when machine yeah. learning based AI, this exact same AI, takes over an industry because it just happened to advertising. And what happens is the full weight of giant tech companies bears down on this thing in order to prove that it works. And it does have some semblance of working, but it actually completely destroys the ecosystem that it enters because it's a dumb, giant oaf of a machine. It's always <laughs> Lenny. It's fucking Lenny from Of Mice's Men, just like smashing the mouse and not realizing what it's doing. It, it, it's giant. It's, it's, it's everything. It's complicated. The people who make it make a ton of money but you yourself if you're underneath it you're gonna have to scatter away like yeah. little fucking mice and cockroaches to your shoals uh you know yeah. substack to, to whatever to, to influencers to spawn con to all that sort of shit and it makes a diluted system spawn con is great the cabinets are great whatever get that fucking mm -hmm. money but the truth is the only people who can get spawn con are the people who the art the art the discipline that they practice won't be tainted by them selling out Right. Yeah. So the, if, so if you want to say shit or do shit where selling out isn't possible, then either you have to, you, or, you know, then either you just, you stop doing what you're doing or you go to subscription, right. Or you shut up about it. Like Jake Paul does with Trump or whatever the fuck, or you partner up yeah. with organizations or you find industries. There's a reason why Jake Paul went into MMA or whatever, because he could have his, he could do his thing and still make money doing that. Even though that had nothing to do with what he was doing before. Okay. Let's get away from the technology a little bit. I have another general take on this idea of the Zoomers being in obscurity, at least from my perspective, but not from their perspective. They're in their own world where their own things are popular, and it's just this other universe where it's not mainstream, but there's a lot of people involved. Did this general thing happen? When I made this argument, I made this argument on the generational divide in boomers versus bloggers that... A lot of the rift was how you had these boomers at the newspapers who were not going to give up their position. And then you had the Gen Xers going, well, I can't even get the sort of lifestyle and sort of media career that these guys have. So I'm going to the Internet and I'm going to rip them. I'm going to be on Deadspin. And that was this. That's how this whole conflict played out. Mm -hmm. Is there some non-technological aspect happening currently where the Zoomers are non-institutional, the creators, um, and not as much a part of the mainstream because they haven't really been invited into the tent and they haven't really, like something got broken where there's just not even a ladder. And yeah. that's partially a technological story, but is it another kind of story too that we just don't, we don't so change were, over? I mean, look at our politics. Look at our politics. If we don't have technology ripping apart an industry and disrupting like it did in the newspaper industry to open up opportunities to Gen X bloggers, then you look at our politics and everybody's a million years old. 
Yeah, they they in the '90s they built buildings, and like we couldn't get into those buildings. Gen X couldn't get into those buildings, so they built tents outside that were the the blogosphere. And then mm. now you can't even those tents don't even work, so you're just like a homeless person out front mm. as a wailing individual, and you don't even remember a. T- you still are seeing the tent that you're disrupting. You don't even know about the building. Right. Mm. You've never even like thought of the building. You were like, ah, fuck the tents. And so, yeah, I I was thinking about this, too, where it's like so many of the things that we aspire to were like defined in the 90s or whatever as like jobs, you know, like a journalist or a politician or an actor or a writer. They were established in the 90s. But those things don't. And so we've all been like, if I just hustle, if I just do this hustle culture, if I just work hard and do the things kind of like that, then eventually I'll be able to make a career just like people did back then. But those things have all been destroyed and there actually yeah. isn't any there's no going to those we're all just going to cosplay as it until we get again shoved through the meat grinder yeah you know what's crazy is had this this image in my head um or this idea if you were a successful sports writer in say i don't even know i mean we're talking it could go back a half century maybe even more and a young college kid said, how do I do what you do? How do I get where you get? You would tell them the same thing. You would say, try to join the newspaper, start covering high school football, work your way up. And that would be the advice from the 1940s to the 1950s to the 1960s to the 1970s to the 1980s to the 1990s to the year 2000. And then as the newspaper industry starts to break apart, that advice gets less pertinent. That advice gets less accurate. And I worked my way up the ladder with the blogs that kind of took over that industry or started to move in on that industry. And I started to get these emails from college kids asking, well, how do I do what you do? How do I get there? And first, I had some explanations. I said, oh, well, I did this and I joined this blog network. And if you blog about a team, something can happen. But then rather quickly, it occurred to me that the ladder that I used wasn't even there anymore. The True Hoop blog network, they dissolved it. So it wasn't there anymore. So then I was telling them, look, I can't tell you what works because the ladder I used isn't even there anymore. So you're just going to have to figure out and find a new ladder. And now we're at the time period where not only has the ladder disappeared and been dissolved, but the thing that it goes to isn't there either. <laughs> yeah, you, you show up and it's destroyed. It's I, just ashes. I, I, you know, I hate this because I've never watched these Marvel movies. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen these movies with Thanos, but I'm aware of what that villain does and how he just dissolves the people he kills and they just kind of float up into the ether. And it does seem to be this incredible metaphor for so much of what we see in modern life where things just kind of float away. Is it Thanos? Anthony is laughing. Thanos? Thanos. Thanos. I'm I'm a patrician at heart. Uh, Thanos. Can you pass through... Can you pass the tomato, Thanos? I guess there are limits on your vocabulary then, Mr. Strauss. <laughs> Maze is killing Dude, it. but your story is my story with comedy. Like, I don't know how to tell someone to get into comedy. There's no, like, there's nothing, like, all of the, of the websites that I ran, like, uh, dude, I'm so I'm out there on the line, right? So, okay. Sorry, I'm just, I just can't, I can't get over this. Like, in my mind, I'm coming up with a great metaphor, and yeah. Maze is just in the background going, this idiot said Thanos. <laughs> 
Thanos. Thanos. Dude, Thanos, dude. It's Thanos, dude. It's fucking, it's the American. Thanos. It's Thanos. 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 Oh, yes. It's when Thanos snaps his oh, fingers. Tha- right Thanos. Here. Killing me. Thanos. <laughs> Doing a little snappy snappy, are we? Resolvey, Zolvey. <laughs> genocide, genocide. I uh, love the idea of a cheerful Brit getting murdered by oh, Thanos. Look at me turning into little <laughs> dusty, dusty, huh? Sweep me up, mate. Sweep me up out of the chimney, eh? Right? All right. right. Bye, guys. I'm dead forever. Oi. <laughs> Oi. Uh, I think that's what I, I, I haven't ever saw the fucking. All right. So, yes, dude. So I'm out there on the line, right? Picketing with like WGA writers and shit like that. Talking to like, you know, fucking like Frasier writers and shit like that. And like, you know, that's like, it's cool. It's kind of, it's fucking cool to be out on the line with other writers in LA talking to people about their careers and stuff like that. And the things that people describe are just myths to me. The like writers rooms of like 15, 16, 20 people writing friends, writing sitcoms in the nineties, the whole thing that like the whole time television industry was based on that I like got into it for those are myths man I'll never see a room that big I've never seen a room mm. that big by the time I was making my own show our room was three people man mm. high science you know we it was six episodes it was a shorter thing it was a low budget thing three of us wrote that whole thing and the show before that that I was on the writer's room was like six people you know like there's no there's no I don't know. It's all just like, yeah, you get there. Uh, I was talking. Yeah. You get there and it's like, you're always five minutes too late. It just mm. left, man. The party just left. The building just oh, collapsed. It, 9-11 God. just happened. It's so oh God. Isn't there a Sopranos <laughs> quote like that uh, about the idea that, you know, the, the sense of arriving at the mob just a little bit too late. Just just as it was all collapsing, just as everyone was getting arrested. Yeah, yeah. As he thought he thought he was becoming part of a good thing, but there's that sense. And that was a this metaphor for America's pathetic decline and that wonderful right. New York Times article on it. And- and dude, and the thing is, is I think that would be fucking fine. And you know, when I was young, I would be like, hell yeah, destroy that shit. Let's fucking build mm-hmm. our own. But then we tried to build our own and it never got even close to being as good. And then it was destroyed. <laughs> like yeah. we were that future, man. The, you, you, in your article, you're like the influencers are the future. Like your whole article, dude, you could have written that 10 years ago about bloggers and television, right? You mm-hmm. would have been like, the future isn't my newspaper. The future is these young bloggers who are figuring it out on their own and doing it. You know, we were the future dude we were that that was already that happened man we were the future and then what happened was not that we couldn't build something new we couldn't build something sustainable and it's not because things are changing and cultures morphing or whatever no it's because fundamentally institutions cannot survive in this ecosystem so you will not be able to build anything and the only people who can make any money are a tiny sliver of people who are you know who are at the top of this all getting all of the pie and then it's a complete stratification either you're making everything or you're making nothing in fighting for pittance, right? There is no middle class. There's a whole spate of articles about how the creator economy is collapsing right now. All these apps and all these companies that we're trying to build up to support creators are collapsing because they were predicated on this idea that there would be a middle class of creators within the creator economy. But that's just a misunderstanding of how the whole system works. It's never going to be like that. There's only going to be the 0.1% and then there's going to be everybody else because that is just the economy that we've created using this machine learning based AI advertising system. I'm thinking about going full Luddite as I talk to you over this (laughs) glorious 
internet connection. Well, the thing. Um, I fucking love technology. That's the thing. I fucking am excited. I see the fucking Apple Vision Pro and I like want to roast it and like, yeah, it looks really sad and it looks like just how you watch your wife and family after they die or whatever. <laughs> you can like put on the fucking video that you made with them. But the truth is I'm like, that looks sick. I would love to feel fucking, I would love to go into that fucking world. That looks cool, man. Well, you like, you, you like VR. Um, love VR, dude. You're, you're into the VR. I, I have, I haven't delved into the Apple Vision. I, I saw there were some rave reviews, and yet, and yet, it doesn't seem like it's a totally intuitive, easy thing to incorporate into my life. I don't know why the Google Glass failed. I I, I don't know why it failed, but you know, it's, yeah, I uh, guess it was too early. It was too weird. It was just like you know, because you're just recording everybody, and nobody nobody liked that at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, I'm thinking about telling the story I told on fifth column about how the NBA players uh, or one in particular ended up using the Google glass that was donated to his team. Um, and eh, maybe we'll stay away from that one. I don't know. Maybe that's one. Uh, uh, no. What did he do? Oh, what he used it for like to film himself having sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then make Hands crazy free, special baby. effects boing, with it. In, yeah. In iMovie. And then oh, show. No. And then show all his teammates on the plane oh, no. uh, the uh, oh, the incredible no. directorial uh, accoutrements, you know. That is 100% uh, what people are going to use the Apple Vision Pro to do. And it's going to be like even, it's gonna you're going to be there. It's like you're there having sex with, with someone's wife. And then you all dissolve. The ultimate cuck experience. Dude, it's the ultimate cuck experience, Vision the Pro. Al- <laughs> it's, it's the cuck pro. The Apple Cuck Pro, where finally you could, it's like you're really there having sex, like watching, being the man fucking your wife. What if you could be the man who was fucking your wife? Wouldn't, don't you want to be that? This is finally such a great Don Draper. This is such a great Don Draper pick. The Cuck's ultimate fantasy to not just watch a man fuck his wife, but to be the man fucking his wife. But you could be him. You could be him. You could be him. You could be the man we fucking your own wife. We provide you an opportunity <laughs> to be the man you always wanted to be. For $3,500? <laughs> for $3,500, you can be the man that's fucking your own wife. Just picture Don Draper sobering <laughs> up, pulling it all together. People are weeping, weeping because it was such a great speech. And all that reminds me of, Matt, is this disintegrating Thanos TV ecosystem because... At one point in my life, AMC goes from obscure channels to oh, it's hot, hot in AMC. They got they got good stuff too. Yeah, these channels are just all going to float away into the ether. Um, yeah. Well, you know who owns AMC, right? Uh, who? Your boy, dude. Your fucking my Madison boy? Square Garden man, dude. Dolan. Oh, oh, Mr. Dolan, James Dolan. Dude, yes, dude, 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 Dolan. dude. Dolan. That's the thing, dude. Dolan like gets what we're saying, dude. Dolan is like, finally, <laughs> someone understands why my cable channels are being destroyed. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like I like it's crazy to me that I'm on this side of advertising. I really like I it's, but it's like it's like I see it all now, dude. Like it fucking mm. and so no one's gonna stand up for ads because ads suck and we all hate them. But the truth is, like it's we're fucked right now, dude. I don't know. I don't know how else to fix this. This is what we're talking about in the TV industry right now, is like we need to get back to more money for the stuff that we make because it's really hard to make this high quality stuff. And if we don't do that, then it's just gonna be the sl- it's just gonna be like fucking 
shame slum land of content. Yeah. I mean, this is how I feel when I like I can't watch TikTok because I just feel like ashamed. Like yeah. when I watch stuff, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that feeling when like you're scrolling on Twitter, you're doing something like that. And then like your wife comes in and you like change nah. the browser. You look away because you're like ashamed <laughs> that you were looking at that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It's 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 like a weird feeling. Do Zoomers not have that feeling? I don't know. Do, do they do they feel empowered by being a part of the fucking meat grinder, by being a part of the feed, by being ground up into the feed that their peers are seeing? Is that good? Their brains might have evolved to the point where it is fulfilling to be in, doing short attention span theater and getting most of your dopamine hits coming from unaccountable strangers uh, based on what you do in a split second moment. I mean, that might be perhaps, But if that was true, then why are they all killing themselves? Why are, te- why are teen depression rates so fucking high? It's because like, they've been thrown into this fucking shit, man. It what, sucks. It was, it was interesting to me to just see how algorithmic the humans get and how it is formulaic. What the Cavenders do is what a lot of the big influencers do. There's a hot TikTok song. That song might not even be a new song. Sometimes it's just, hey, there's a song from 15 right. years ago and there's a part of it that just kind of people like the vibe of it and everybody is just going to incorporate lip syncing it or doing a dance to it and, you know, broadcasting whatever whatever mood and the people who are good at it know what the song is, know how to move on that quickly. Right know how to do that it's its own i guess you could call it an art form maybe a lot of thought and strategy goes into it but then when when you step back from the whole thing and look at it you just go yeah what even what even is this (laughs) yeah totally but like and like i don't want it like it's like fine and like yeah maybe it's actually just the chinese government manipulating all of our teens i don't know it like probably is right but like but still whatever like let tiktok exist like let that be a fun thing like there is like a cool human community dance music aspect like there's something interesting there the problem is that it's destroying professional media and professional media, which it's funny you say those words and it sounds like I'm DeSantis, like the crying the thing. This is no, professional no, no, no. media. You're you know DeSantis. what I mean? But, no, you're DeSantis. Des- I'm, DeSantis. You I'm DeSantis. Yeah. Destroying <laughs> this professional media class, which just wants to keep you down. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just like, John Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> But listen to the, this. The, the professional media class is the one that's holding. We got to work in twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three, and the professional media the class is still smashing the. I, but like, I don't know, man. I mean, by the way, I, I, I guess like fuck I, us I know forever. You can't but take like, shots. I know you can't take shots of the industry. But his thing is formulaic. His thing is on this weird loop that has figured out how the brain works and is very if you watch that particular show and it is this is your whole theory about things are good for the particular platforms they're on. Whoever makes that show or made that show was really good at doing a YouTube clip, whatever you think of John Oliver's politics or these limeys coming over here and telling us how to run our country. You know, however you feel about that. No, they met the moment too of like YouTube yeah. being like for longer stuff at that time. Like it, it, like it all, a lot of stuff came together to make that show and they put a lot of work and they can make a high quality product for what that show is. And you know, look again, high science is an edutainment like process. You know, I'm here defending television, the opiate mm. of the masses, because I'm terrified Ooh. of what's happening from the fentanyl I, of the masses. Oh, I, I, what if I love YouTube best and what does that say, Matt? People like YouTube. Talk about why you like YouTube. 
I, it's just this incredible universe of curiosity where I can explore so many different options. And I do think the, the competition must be vicious, but the creators are so they're, they're really good. And it's not TikTok. It's not these few seconds. I don't see people competing for my attention of who can tell me the news or a take. And as much, you know, they'll, no, they're doing whatever they're doing. And as long as they need to do it, the cooking channels are spectacular. The food travel channels are amazing. I love best food, uh, best food ever review show. I think that's, that's a great one. Um, and then there's stuff for my kid to just satiate. Yesterday we were watching YouTube clips on manatees and YouTube clips on dolphins and just exploring all of that. And I think for all our, our Ludditism, um, I think there's a lot of good to be found on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We're talking about something that's so big that there are absolutely quality and amazing things coming out of it. John Boswell, who we collaborated with on High Science. The reason why High Science has all these amazing 3D visuals and shit like that. We worked with this guy, John, who has an amazing YouTube channel called Melody Sheep, where he does like just truly incredible like space documentaries about like where he shows you what like exoplanets might look like, in, you know, in like a solar system that's, you know, trillions of light years away. Like he visions what like an alien species who lives on an oceanic like planet might look like, like super sick stuff that you they can only do on YouTube. And he really loves doing that. He has an, a rabid fan base. He's got millions of subscribers and he's like, why would I do anything else? Because like this lets me do exactly what I want to be doing. And I, I totally think that's sick. To me, the only issue is I think he should be making more money. I think his mm -hmm. product is more valuable than what he's getting because it's so fucking cool. And I think the problem with YouTube to that extent is that you, you can only, it's still a stratification of like the top 0.1%, Mr. Beast making a ton of money. And, but even Mr. Beast, I think is probably undervalued for the amount of month, for the amount of shit that he's making. And he's creating like a massive studio on, you know, in, in, you, in North Carolina. But, but how do you feel about Mr. Beast? Because is he not the apotheosis of human as machine, human as attention span hacking? I mean, he, went through it in such a systematized way where yeah. Mr. Beast and his friends were all just constantly A-B testing what got views, what didn't, right. what got views, what didn't. All these, Again, dude. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, I'm a, uh, that's the thing, dude. I'm a labor guy, man. I'm like never fucking like it's not the employee's fault. It's not the worker's fault. It's I don't want to hear your I don't want to hear your ideology. I want to hear your <laughs> honest take. I don't want to hear I'm a labor no, guy. Look, Mr. Beast, have you watched the Mr. Beast video? Yeah, they don't appeal to me. I, I, I you, kind of, yeah. Sure, but you get it. But you're like, wow, there a lot of work went into this. And you I'm like, very impressed. I mean, look, nobody can deny that guy worked his ass off to get to where he is. Um, but there's also this other aspect of when somebody's trying to optimize that hard to succeed for the sake of success and doing so with these factors that don't, necessarily seem like an organic expression of oneself or one's art, but it's this machine learning of, well, when the thumbnail is blurry, then people click on it. And when this happens and that, then they click on it. When that happens, we all do it to a certain extent. Right. I do a teaser when I do a paywalled post, but he's done it to such an extent that part of me instinctually recoils from it, even if I respect the hustle. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I understand that. But look, he's just playing the game, dude. Hate the game, not the player. Like he mm. has the things that do well on those machines are the things that are meant for those machines. And he figured out the best thing for that machine. The only problem is if you want to do something else, it better fit within that machine. Otherwise, you're sunk. You know what I mean? Not and like television also had those same constraints. I, I just think it was a broader. There were a broader number of things that could succeed, and the ceiling was higher, and the money was was available in order to make things that were better on those on those more traditional platforms. Because I think their work was more properly valued, and the money was there for it. And, and I think that, dude, I saw Mr. Beat tweet, Mr. Beast tweet, like last week or the other week, like. Basically, he tweeted like at Netflix, at Max, at Disney Plus, like, hey, don't you guys think wonder what a Mr. Beast show would look like a 10 episode show on one of your platforms? Mm. Like what? Like he still wants to be on an institutional platform. Like we're all still like have this feeling that like being a part of an institution is more meaningful than doing it on your own. Yeah, and I think that that's a hum, a fundamental human thing. It's either Stockholm syndrome or it's a fundamental human thing that you want to be a part of something bigger because there's like safety and security there. There's prestige there. I don't know. There's just a more fulfilling sense that you're a part of humanity than if yeah. you're just a lone army of one warrior out there doing your own lonesome thing, which I'm sure is rewarding and cool on its own, but it's also maybe lonely. I don't know. How do you feel? You're a little army yeah. of one. Well, yeah, everybody wants to as my dog barks in the background um i mean the institutions of yore might be disintegrating but whatever they were evokes something in us and we i mean all those late night guys wanted to take over for johnny carson because that was just the top of the top and there was something really cool about the physical location of that in Hollywood and then the late night guys in New York and you're in Rockefeller Center and that means something to be in Rockefeller Center Um, and I I think to what you're saying there's an element of wanting it to be a team sport although it can be a team sport I I know um, Andrew Schultz says that uh, because he's been so successful in stand-up but also in his YouTube clips that comedy is a team sport and right. it's him and his team putting it together. Well, that's, I think that's the thing is that like, when you look back on your career, like especially doing creative discipline, I don't know if it's the same for journalism, but at least for this, it's like the memories you have are not, it's, it's, you know, you, you, whenever you talk to like an old timer from like SNL or from whatever these places, you know, it wasn't the sketch that they got on. That was the highlight for them. Right. It was like the time in the room with the people that they were working with to make that sketch. And yeah, they pulled it off together and it felt amazing because, but you want that community of people you want to come up with a team you want it to be a team sport otherwise it's just kind of like sad and lonely and there's no one there to validate your experience and i don't know that's so human but we're yeah. making an immediate ecosystem that isn't a team sport that's just individuals well i'm thinking about it in regards to your question i'm very i'm very happy i really like my job i mm-hmm. i think it could just be this but i also think i'm a weirdo um yeah grew, that's the thing yeah. i was gonna say you are yeah you're you're an only child yeah, <laughs> you yeah i'm also, an only child yeah, yeah. nickname that your wife when ethan's wife first when i first met her what <laughs> me and a, a very good friend when we realized that she rocked that ali like rocked was because she already had a nickname for ethan that none of us had ever thought of which was methan yeah it was a good <laughs> neg to force more selflessness out of me 
that but, nickname. But, st- but, but even still, like you are texting and on the phone more than anyone I know. Like really? even you like lone wolves. Yeah. Whenever I'm talking to you, I feel like you're getting texts from other media figures. You're like, get you just calling up other people in the media. You're doing podcasts. You're doing this kind of thing. Like even as lone wolf as you are, you can't do it alone. And I know you yeah. value the friendships you have with other people in the media and particularly people doing things like what you're doing. And yeah. so, you know, you've kind of created, I, I agree that you're a little bit more towards the lone wolf side and I'm probably no, more no of like the pack is, animal. No, no, no man is an island. You know, I, I need right. help. Like functionally, I need help. And emotionally, I need help. And I mean, what is what is the podcast? Uh, but my friends in large part coming on and having a conversation and Anthony helping on production. And it's not it's not just me in a way. It's kind of a lie. It's almost better if you mm. present it. It, it, it. It's almost better if you mm. present it like you're the face of it, because that's part of what people fund is that you're this right. lone man in the world Genius. striking Singles out yeah, and doing, you know, doing it. But no, I, I am helped by helped by Anthony. I'm helped by Royce, my editor. Sometimes people will criticize and say that I, that I need an editor. And I think, Hey man, you take it up with my actual editor. Like, no, I keep, <laughs> keep getting yeah, edited. No, I, uh, so one of the main points, I, it's fun that I can keep bringing, bringing this back to like my own personal labor dispute, oh, but like God. one of the main things and that people say is like kind of the most controversial demand that the WGA has is that we're, we're demanding uh, writer's rooms, that we want a minimum for a staff on a television show which isn't something that exists right now. And this is a major, this is probably the biggest debate within writers and within like this whole thing of like, is it appropriate to mandate a writer's room for a television show? And I'm curious what you think about this too, because the argument really is like, and they, and, and despite there being just a tiny fraction of creators that do this creators, I use the fucking word of writers that do this. There are a few Mike white, for example, wrote all of white Lotus yeah. himself. Um, there, uh, I think, I don't know, whatever. There's a couple other instances God, of this that I'm Mike blanking White's on right so now where people did it alone and it was very good. And so they're like, well, what you want to penalize Mike white for making yeah. it force him to hire people just to stand around and watch him write white Lotus. Yeah. And our argument is that like, yes, there are individuals, there are certain people who have done that, but also White Lotus was like a limited series and also, uh, or, or, you know, short seasons and also Mike White comes from movies, which are the more like lone wolf kind of part of our discipline. But even that's not true. There's still, most movies go through tons of writers, you know, especially comedies and shit like that. But, you know, Succession, you every interview with Jesse Armstrong, the showrunner of Succession, he talks about what a room driven show it was and how it's the room, how it's all about the room and television is a team sport writing for television is a team sport and we want to preserve that the wg wants that in there so that it can be that case even though there are a few exceptions instinctually not knowing anything about any of this i i don't i i don't love the idea of just mandating that you need just the minimum number of people doing it that's my first take just just my take Second take. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Keep playing. Change, <laughs> change the name. I don't think you should have WGA because it does sound like a network that won't be on TV anymore. It, it sounds like you go. <laughs> sounds like WGN. It's yeah. WGN. I believe WGN is CW. now News Nation. WGN, I think, became oh, News Nation, man. which They've is been, the, the alien fucking network. <laughs> They've been hounding me. Really? To go and talk about this Cavender stuff. I really? Just, News Nation? And Cuomo? I mean, I'm, fla- <laughs> I'm, I'm flattered. I'm, no, I'm flattered about it, but I, I sometimes I'll do appearances like that, but 
once it gets in my head of, wait a second, I'm now on somebody else's clock. I don't actually even want to do this. I just kind of feel like I want to help out the person reaching out and be a people pleaser. Mm. That's usually when I kind of, when I, when I kind of stop with it, but yeah, they've Mm. been, uh, they've been reaching out and I don't know. I have no idea what their audience is for all I know. I would do this hit and I would have all these new subscriptions. I have no clue, but I don't really um, know what it is either, but it was what they got the scoop on the UFO guy. That was like, they kind of, I think like that's how I knew what news nation was. And I remember watching the clip and Julie was like, what's news nation, Matt. And I was like, I think it used to be WGN. Wow. <laughs> it's what Cuomo is on. Like what's it's the- not like CNN, but it's not like, you know, fucking, uh, What's American News Network? <laughs> I don't even know which Cuomo is on. Can they have a show Cuomo and Cuomo? Yeah, I think Cuomo's? they're just interchange at this point. No, yeah, it's the disgrace Cuomo from because of the whatever he did. I don't remember. I don't fucking. <laughs> they should have a Cuomo. show called Cuomo Cuomo. I I I'd, I'd consider watching it. Um, Cuomo versus Cuomo. What does the scoop on the UFO guy even mean? They like they, they broadcast got, the interview. They, they got with the, the alien the to come on. They got the alien, dude. The alien <laughs> came on, and but the thing was, the alien can't make money unless he hawks these fucking donor pills. So this alien is on my television with a massive erection, boing boing. And news nation is just or- sees that we do. That's yes, uh, that's the, the- <laughs> this is what you like, right? Boing. <laughs> this is you. This is you. Imagine you could be the alien fucking your wife. You could be looking down at your gray alien dick having sex with your own wife. That's for $3,500 for $3,499. Should Plus I extra for the charging? Should I do advertising on my podcast? Is yeah, that have the you been approached stream? to do it? Yeah, I've been approached before. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it just gets back to that bandwidth. Do I want to be on somebody else's <laughs> Wait, time? What would and it dime? be for? What, for what? Who came up to you? So advertise what? it was unspecific. It was more, Uh, I can't, it was a while ago. I haven't been approached in a while about it. I actually approached Flannery beef. I sent them an email saying I would advertise for them because I love, what is That's like a beef. (laughs) Yeah. It's a butcher in Marin. Oh, it's your local butcher that you love. I love, I love Flannery so much. And I, (laughs) I sent them an email. Maybe it got lost in the spam folder. They don't need me. They have a thriving business, but that was the Uh, only one where I even, you just want like a steak. I don't want a steak. I want to subsidize my steak eating and my son's steak eating because he's into it too. And I wrote a very passionate, thoughtful (laughs) email about why House of Strauss would be a good advertiser for them and how I don't have any other advertisers. Uh, This is going to go out to over 31,000 people uh, over-indexed in the Bay Area, over-indexed in California. And I, this is legit. I legit, you know, buy your product and Hey, I don't know. It might've gotten lost in the mail. I'm not sure, but that was the only one. The only one was Flannery beef. That was the only advertiser, but should I just (laughs) ironically, not ironically start doing the gambling ads that every sports media company is doing all while Oh, just about and not even downside. get money for it. <laughs> or just I don't know. Or maybe get money for. See who's down for this. See who's down for this weird kind of in between kind of. You know, maybe the ads I cut will be saying you're gonna lose money, you losers. But you know, <laughs> maybe lose money with Caesars. Maybe do that. You know, you probably can't stop yourself. You probably can't you turn around your addict. life. You're an addict. You know you're, <laughs> you're an addict. Yeah. I love that you got that quote out, though. I love that. Can you oh just even God. tell that story of the lady that said that? 
Just, oh, just it was such it? a funny interaction because I was, <laughs> I was trying to, I was out in Miami. I'm trying to make sense of Miami, let alone this world of <laughs> like the Cavenders yeah, yeah. and the YouTubers and the TikTokers and Jake Paul from his tax shelter running this company where everybody's 23 years old, but they are just full of vim and vigor. They are cocky. They they are they're on top of the world. This is some Wolf of Wall Street stuff happening, and I in a, in a way very inspiring. I mean, I don't necessarily expect this company to be around in two years, but this is the energy we need to build. This is young mm-hmm. people getting up to stuff. And right. I'm asking this woman there. I'm saying, hey, uh, this it is seems like you're, this is at the better offices. At, this is like- at the better offices. Sorry, I should have yeah. laid the groundwork better. Um, but, but, but I asked her, why are you going to beat Barstool? Because it was clear that that was their, that was their target. That was their enemy was Barstool. And she said, because we're better. And of course I thought she, she was talking about (laughs) the company, uh, who's on first, like better, but yeah, I know you're better, but like, why, why is your company going? And then eventually five minutes, five minutes later, that was untangled. And it was clear to me that she actually meant the uh, the adjective, um, and B E T T E R, and she clarified. She said, "Because we're younger, we're hungrier. We've got Jake Paul, and we're addicted to gambling." <laughs> I just love that. It's like she's saying, like, like you're at Amazon, and I'm like, I'm addi- We're addicted to giving good customer service. We're addicted to our customer. You know, we're addicted to. <laughs> we're addicted to growth. We're addicted to gambling. We love gambling. <laughs> we the Sacklers are addicted. We're addicted to fentanyl. Addicted to opioids. <laughs> That's so We're, funny. Like I get, I get it. You're, hey, you the customer. You are addicted to the opioids, and hey, we're we're addicted to selling you the opioids. We're we addicted get high to it. on our own supply. We will be bankrupt <laughs> within the end of the year because we cannot stop betting. We just all we do is gamble. And then Derek, I didn't really understand that Derek was the main character of better when you were telling me the story you were like there's yeah. this man who's like a gambling cuck or whatever who just like is constantly <laughs> losing gambling <laughs> he's just like can, a gambling can, cuck, can you right? for the audience because maybe not everybody has read my thing can you can you i know i wrote the article i want your perspective on derek and to describe yeah, what I I was anthony by the way, i wish i had a vision pro to see ethan's reactions to better i do too i, want, I wish i was there to watch i mean you can see it is so funny that you're in the back of that tiktok of the cavenders meeting walking. derek yeah it was a contrived so derek, so, well so you so derek He's just the, he's like the main character of Better's TikTok, and he's just a man who is constantly losing betting. Yeah. He was losing bets. He makes pre- predictions, but then he but then it's like if you what if you just inverse Derek? Then do you succeed? Is that the message that you just yeah. need to do inverse Derek, and then you will win? Are his bets that bad that like it's, he has to be smart to know which t- thing is so bad? Or I, I mean, I don't I just don't, <laughs> I don't know hey. what the point of this Derek character is. I, I or what the appeal is. I wanted to interview Derek so I would get I would get a sense of the actor behind the character. And he, and but you, he definitely knows he's doing a character, right? Or like he, he is a performer of some kind. Or he, what is he, the, what is he that? Definitely, he definitely knows. And they did not allow me to inter- interview Derek. But my my thinking, my theory, is that Derek makes it okay to lose. 
Look at him. He's hanging mm. out with the Cavenders. That was the first thing they had the Cavenders right. do. The first public thing is they had to meet Derek and have an awkward exchange where he seems humiliated that they're making betting picks because that's supposed to be his job, even though all he does is lose. And beyond lose, I didn't share some of these clips. Jake Paul is just actively bullying him in some of these clips. Um and he also puts himself in these weird circumstances where he pretends to be the fan of the opposing team and he just acts annoying and provokes people to potentially maybe hit him. So there's this there's a lot going on. He's almost just their crash test dummy. There's a lot going on with the whole Derek scenario. I do look at him. Yeah primarily as somebody who is habituating young men into losing money towards better with the idea that they're at least hanging out with attractive high status women. That's, that's how yeah. I do it. Versus what would actually happen, which is like you're in the gutter and you've lost everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like gambling ruins lives. Well, wait, I, this is a bigger question, but like it, so Barstool is fully owned now by a gambling company. Is that right? Yeah, the pen, uh, whatever it's called, they have, they have merged, but as one of my, Commenters pointed out, paraphrasing, uh, there are no mergers, there are only acquisitions. Hmm. And so, but is that then be like, does that prove my point that you can't like make, you can't make your bread advertising? Nothing you, is even running a successful. Yeah, yeah there's no advertising. Self- you can't make money advertising on the internet anymore. So you have to do something else like everything is a pivot. Yeah, everything's a pivot to something else. Yeah, hmm. it's, it's, it's a pivot not to gambling. But that's yeah. so depressing right i mean gambling and like i think we've talked like i like in theory just like how you feel about like you shouldn't like in theory you shouldn't mandate a writer's room which again i would push against just uh, for whatever reasons but wait, 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 we don't need to get into the wga this is a studio right, supporting right. podcast we <laughs> like the big shots funny. well it's just like, like we don't, used to we don't know the, what we want to pivot to <laughs> the that used to be a, a thing that was just a custom and now because it's being taken away we need to fight for it but mm. just like sort of that such basically gambling. I, I get that it can be, it should be legal, I suppose, but I don't think you should be allowed to advertise it probably. And I definitely don't think it should have the power that it's starting to wield. Right. This is no, crazy. I'm, I'm with you on that. It needs to, this goes back to, we need some of the flex in life. We need some of the, the mystification. We need some of the, right. the, the, the non-optimization. And I think there's something to gambling is illegal, but not like you're going to go to jail for 10 years for doing it. But it's sort of it's meant it sends a signal to society that this is for the shadows and it's not supposed to be this endorsed and this unleashed. And now it, it was really yesterday. I didn't do News Nation, but I went on Australian TV um, because they were <laughs> they were actually interested in the thing I did on my site on the oh, okay. and yeah, the Cavenders. Yeah, because, we're talking about because they're usually we have trends and then they adopt our trends late. Uh-huh. But in the case of Australia and England right now, they were ahead of us on the legalization of gambling and oh. now are further along in the life cycle of we've got to fuck it. We got to do something about this. This is oh not, really? You know, yeah. So what happened? Yeah, wait, what happened? This is I didn't know this. This is crazy. I think there's just more regulation. A lot of people lost a lot of money. The host of the program told me that Australians <laughs> he's, he's lose. impoverished himself. <laughs> he lost it all. He told me to wire Ethan, him. <laughs> I should tell you, know, I lost it all too. I, might, I lost it all. I have to ask these programs. 
I'm gonna hear these progy. I read your he's piece. Progy. No, no, he said piece. Like I read your piece. <laughs> I read your. <laughs> the dingo ate my money. <laughs> I bet it all on the roost, and the dingo's won, and I'm I'm sunk, mate. I'm out with the crocs. <laughs> I'm out with the raggies and the crocs. The salties. The salties and the freshies. Out with the crocs. <laughs> so wait, so they, so they, they already look just like the machine no, no, learning it, thing. They've played it, just it, like it, the man in the in, in the Shining. We've been there the whole time. They already ran this out. They already ran this out. He was telling me that they lose in Australia twenty billion dollars to the gambling companies. The people of Australia do every year right now, and uh, they only have like twenty five billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have that many people. I mean, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Yeah. So now they're trying to rein it in, but they had the same thing where like gambling companies were were sponsoring media and teams and stadiums and and whatever, like doing that. All there's bookies Look, in the stadiums. There's bookies on the court. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the extent to which they're trying to rein it in, but I know that England they got way more uh, regulation involved. And um, Haral Bob Vulgaris, the top NBA gambler, I remember was telling me that. They they do much more intervention if they see you betting a lot in the UK mm. formally versus in the US where it's just eh, you know gagazum whatever and that's uh, been in response to the excesses and how this is in part has not worked out well at this particular scale so I think look I don't know the specifics of what's happened in Australia but they are like the guy coming from the future to warn us yeah, of something warn, right yeah. now and uh, doing it in that delight, delightful accent. <laughs> I mean, I just got, took my little time traveler here and I, I got... <laughs> I love Australians, man. <laughs> but they are an uh, unfortunate people. I mean, look, if you're... <laughs> if your most famous citizen died because a stingray stabbed him in the heart... I mean, that's you one might of those just things. you might just have bad luck, you know. Is I mean, that that's too like soon? A myth. It's like that's like a myth. It's like a it's like a, a fucking Greek myth. It's an Australian myth. What happened to? Yeah, that's so sad, dude. That's crazy. I don't even know. That's one of the things I watch on YouTube with my son. Is <laughs> just Steve over, Irwin. over you watch Steve Irwin getting <laughs> killed by the stingray? <laughs> no, I was gonna that, say oh, that there, that happened. That's that's it happened. You see that little splash back and to the left. Man. Back and to the left. <laughs> there was a second stingray. That's what they don't say. There's the second stingray. Magic barb. Um, <laughs> no, I, I watched I watched the Steve Irwin clips with him, and I have not told him that this man yeah, is no longer happened? with us. And this Incredible, is he would man. have nothing, he would have R. nothing R. but man. questions for days yeah, no, it's about so that. Sad. It's yeah. nice that they kind of have like picked up his kids and made them celebrities too, you know, like that they've yeah. all like rallied around the family because everybody is just so beloved. Yeah, he's he's a great yeah. man. He's a great guy, and I I am uh, sorry for being glib about what happened. <laughs> no, we don't idea. support the stingray here. No, okay, we we're not stingray. we're not on the stingray side. Yeah, yeah. Although well, stingray is just being a stingray. That is true. That is true. I never liked them. I didn't remember Matt because we we grew up in the same place, obviously, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we uh, we had all the same experiences growing up. Um. <laughs> Such a weird way to say it. All of them. <laughs> All, All of the of same them. experiences. And yet, look how I turned out and look how he turned out. <laughs> um, it's nature. The, it's not nurture. Yeah. I. You loved the sea. And I was mm. wary of it because when we're little kids <laughs> in San Diego, 
the thing they teach you is the stingray shuffle. Yeah, they, the stingray shuffle. You've got to shuffle like a penguin. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the stingray... When you go into the ocean, when you go in, you should yeah. dig your feet in a little bit to scare them away. Because otherwise, yeah. you'll step on one and it'll sting yeah. you. Which is good advice, but... It's great advice. As a kid, that just made me go, wait a second. I, I don't want to get involved in... <laughs> I, have to, I have to change who I am in order to go there? Forget it. Me, Ethan, no, never. <laughs> I'm never going to change. Babe, I'm never changing. No. <laughs> to the no scene. I don't want to work for any company that tells me I've got to... Yeah. do ads and you know shuffle <laughs> around shuffle my feet like a little coward this institution of the fucking institution around of the, the ocean needs to be disrupted no it just told me that it's an away game the ocean is a massive away game i don't know what's in there <laughs> i it just it frankly it, fran- it frankly worried me um mm. Matt, what do you want to plug? Uh, Dude, well, still high science for for, for real, my show. I'm, it's now on Max. It. We safely made it over to Max. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're on the main carousel anymore, but you can look Funnier Dies High Science and watch the show. It's I, you know, it's fun. We also have a show. I don't know if I'm, I don't know. We have a Shark Week show that's going to come out in like a month or something. So hopefully that'll like kick the show back up. And I think mm. for our ocean fearing and loving friends, that might be cool. But then I'm going to, I'm going to plug something else now, Ethan, my other show, Bloodweed, which I don't think I plugged the first time. Time, which is an audible show uh, that I made. It stars Haley Joel Osment, Maria Blakalova. Wow. It's like a cool show. If you have audible or you are interested, it's like all about the weed industry. It's like a weed comedy stoner jam about, uh, and about Russia too. I don't, whatever. It's yeah. like a cool big scripted thing that I made. Uh, that's uh, it's like a 10 episode audio show that I think is fun. That's cool. High times yeah. wrote it up and they really liked it. Ethan, they said that yeah. it was a very, the best, the deepest dive into the cannabis world that, that they'd ever seen. I mean, that sounds fascinating. It's just so unfortunate that also yesterday I was uh, contacted by a TV program in the Netherlands warning me of what had happened uh, to Amsterdam due to the legalization of weed and just trying to tell me <laughs> that, coming from the that, that, that nah, we don't even, out, we don't even know what's about to, what's about to be unleashed. <laughs> I, and, tell, uh, I like this story. We, when we went to Amsterdam, Julie and I, we, it was, I think wife. it was 420 or something. Yeah. My wife, we, it was like 420 or something. And it, it actually isn't legal. Weed isn't legal in Amsterdam. It's just like oh. you can smoke it in in those cafes. And so there we'd stumbled oh, upon yeah, I like that, that le- guy was from Jamaica. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but we stumbled upon this like rally that was like for the legalization of weed, which was really confusing to us because of, you know, we're idiots mm-hmm. who didn't really know the situation. And we went to it. And it was also kind of like a competition. Like we, we have like a scene that kind of references this in the show, but it was like, and they were naming like best bud, you know, like best flower and best vape and doing all that sort of stuff. We didn't fully understand what they were saying because they weren't speaking English, but uh, we kind of got the gist of it, but it was really funny. They were doing the, they were announcing the awards on stage and every award that they would announce, they would look around for the people to accept it. And everyone would be like, how oh, they're out back smoking. <laughs> Mm. Back smoking weed. <laughs> so they couldn't claim their award and it's just like over and over it was like ah no they're out on the other side smoking weed so they couldn't claim their trophies uh, i mean they, were out back that's, weed. they weren't the best uh they weren't the best representatives for their platform perhaps you know not. maybe that's you should think about that writers i don't even know what i mean by that <laughs> i have no idea what's yeah really we gotta wear on. suits if you want to succeed Ooh. you need to be wearing suits well, out there on the picket line then we're gonna take it seriously respectability politics what was that from fucking occupy wall street that the business they were like if you're wearing suits and dressing nicely then maybe we would address your concerns Mm. 
Yeah, I think maybe that'd be a good idea. I don't know. Mm. Um, anyway, anywho, this has been delightful. Uh, oh man, thanks for having me on again, dude. It's yeah. always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really have a good outro for this. This is just mm-hmm. this is just the sound of the podcast stopping. Uh, Matt Kleiman, <laughs> presented by Flannery Beef. Uh, oh, this, you gotta get that beef. The filet tail. What a deal! A third yeah. the price of filet mignon. Tastes just the same. Um, and the flat iron, oh, just lovely. Usually not an especially well marbled cut, but it's different with Flannery. They use Holstein bowls. Holstein bowls, different marbling. You're not used to it. You kind of want to find out what you're talking about. A Holstein bowl? Yeah, Holstein bowl. Oh, a Holst- bowl. A yeah, bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a bowl. <laughs> the a bowl. 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 <laughs> <laughs> My accent. You, every time you say accent. room, you say rum. Rum. Yeah, get on the rough. <laughs> get on the rough. We, we really won this bike. <laughs> oh, that was good. All right. All right. See ya. <laughs> Later. <laughs>